You want Philly food? Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders could cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40. difficulties but it is what it is hello everybody and welcome back to the kelly green hour i'm your host elgin harrell and joining me as always is my co-host connor donald connor what's going on over there man what's up what's happening I, up, up there in canada um my my internet is an absolute mess right now so that is why there was no intro music today because i could not get anything working on this laptop but man Everything, everything's good up here in Canada, my my friend. You know, nice, peaceful, quiet, and um, it it was really quiet. So quiet. We took the weekend off last weekend, and now we're back because, well, of course, the big schedule release happened. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, we definitely have lots to talk about now because apparently we're going seventeen and zero. Is that right, El? No, 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 <laughs> no. No, we're gonna be realistic on this show. Okay, we will be realistic on this show when we go through the schedule. Um, but as always, you know, before we get started, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour, um, you know, and follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. Follow me on Twitter at LJRL54. Slide into the DMs. Help, uh, let us know what you want us to talk about. And Connor, introduce our guest, man. Introduce our guest. Absolutely. First of all, shout out to the Painted Lines, of course, who are very, we are proud members of that uh, channel, that network and everything that they are offering if you go to the paintedlines.com and check it out it's not just philadelphia sports it is a plethora of different things and very exciting to be a part of them and the movement that they have going on and one of the leaders of that movement is joining us tonight and that is chris at mr crockpot on twitter chris welcome aboard to the kelly green hour for the first time of hopefully very many yeah, man. Anytime. Anytime you guys want to talk shop, let's freaking go. I'm down. You know that. Uh, but a lot of reasons to be excited about uh, with Eagles season here, getting ready for training camp and the schedule release. Um, but guys, thanks for joining TPL, man. It's an honor. It's an honor to get to know you, Connor. Get honor to get to know you. LJ, man, I'm excited. Um, I'm excited, man. There's a lot of reasons. Let's go. Excitement coming from you. Like we're all in different places, and you can feel the excitement. And obviously, we're going to be talking about the, the 17. Already, we got somebody saying 17 and now. Let's be realistic, Chris. Let's be realistic. No, but so, um, yeah, a little bit about me. I am very objective. I, I will not be going there at all. So. I joke about it a lot. I joke about it, but I know it's never ever. In, in a million years, it's never going to happen for the Eagles. They're, they're never going to go 17-0. They lose a game they shouldn't lose. But when we jump into the schedule, I'm sure we'll have a couple of games where we're like, you know, they should win this, but let's be real. Let's be real. It's the Eagles. They'll end up losing it. But um, before we get into the schedule, it's been a couple of weeks since uh, Connor and I have been on, um, since the, the, the draft recap show. And a couple of things have happened for the Philadelphia Eagles. They had a rookie training camp. Kobe Dean is practicing. He's going to – as of right now, he's a full go to go. And that is a huge thing. Getting the Kobe Dean in the third round, if he is able to play, that is the steal of the draft. I don't care what anybody says. There were some some picks that could, you know that that other teams had that everybody proclaims to be the steal of the draft. 
But I want to start with N'Kobe Dean because that guy was the leader of the best defense in college football history, if not the best defense, definitely one of the best defenses. And he's going to be roaming the middle of our defense. We haven't had a linebacker like N'Kobe Dean since, you know, Jeremiah Trotter was probably the last drafted linebacker we had. D'Amico Ryans was probably the best, you know, linebacker or the last linebacker we had with the instincts that N'Kobe Dean has. You know, Chris, what are your thoughts? Like getting this guy in the third round and him just being able to lead, take control of the Eagles defense for Jonathan Gannon, however long Gannon's going to be here. It was an A plus. It was an A plus draft pick. It was something that, you know, if you would have told me like we were taking in the first round, uh, I would have been even happier about. Like I, I like I can't believe they were able to get that level of talent in the third round. Uh, and for me, when it taught when you go to Nicobe Dean, it goes straight to Jonathan Gannon, you know, and what this defense is going to look like uh, with other additions that we'll be talking about here with Hassan Reddick. And, you know, we, we were kind of promised we would see a lot of delays and stunts and all a lot of pre-snap movement on this defensive line. We didn't really see much of that last year. I think they now with Hassan Reddick, they did not have the personnel. That is 100% fact. Uh, but you look at the Eagles front seven, at least, with what Jordan Davis gives and what he means for what these edge rushers are going to be able to do to get to the quarterback. That was a major weakness last year, uh, getting to the quarterback. Hassan Reddick, N'Kobe Dean. N'Kobe Dean had 31 pressures last year. I think I put a stat out, like Alex Singleton, TJ Edwards. Like there were Those guys were like five or less the entire season mm-hmm. of 2021. So Nicobe Dean, Hassan Reddick, you're finally going to be able to get Kaiser some sort of impact from that position, which basically has given you nothing over the last several years. So the one thing that made me, I don't, I don't want to say it made me mad, but when John, when Jonathan Gannon would get interviewed last year and the questions were, what type of de- defense are you? And he said, we don't really, or what type of scheme do you run? And he said, we don't really have, have a scheme. And I think that had to do because they didn't have the personnel this year. You, you sign Kaiser White, you sign Hassan Reddick, you draft Nicobe Dean, Jordan Davis. I mean, the front four we know is the is what usually leads the Eagles' defense. Now they were 29th or 30th or 31st, whatever it was in sacks last year. Totally, like, that just doesn't happen. But Connor, I think now we're seeing it. This is going to be a three. Four. They're going to play hybrid, but I think we're going to see a lot of three four. But you don't draft a Jordan Davis who. Is going to take up. Is going to be right on, over the center. Take up guard. You know the guards in the center, so that your linebackers can run all over the place. You don't do that if you're not going to, you know, play a lot of three four. And I think that that's what we're going to see. I'm not a big fan of the three four. When Chip came and did it, I was not happy. And I know Brandon Graham is, you know, he wasn't really happy with it. But obviously, this late into his career, he's just going to play. And I think getting a healthy Brandon Graham back back is going to help the defensive line especially against the run. But, Connor, what do you think about the, the the scheme in which the Eagles' defense is probably, you know, most likely going to play this year? I'm thinking 3-4 hybrid. We're going to see a lot of that, you know, drafting Kyron Johnson. He's going to be under the wing of Hassan Reddick. That's going to be Hassan Reddick in four or five, in maybe three or four years. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. I mean, you you look at the way they, they drafted defensive tackle this year. It's so different from what they did in prior seasons. Um, you got Jordan Davis. And as I, I kind of alluded to this in my first article for the painted lines as well, because they got Noah Ellis, who is another massive human being as an undrafted free agent. You don't just go after these guys who are like Ellis was up around 360 pounds at some points. And then you got 
you got Jordan Davis, who was around, what, 330, 340 pounds. Like, these guys are massive human beings. These are not four, three defensive tackles. I know that we got Javon Hargrave, and he came from a 3-4 scheme in Pittsburgh, but Javon Hargrave is a different type of 3-4 defensive tackle. He was more of like an edge on that 3-4 front. This is this is completely different, and you can tell that that shift is happening because Milton Williams is not an edge, but he can be – you know, and outside on the three, four, same with Josh Sweat. He is an edge. He can probably work the edge with Milton Williams. And then you have Jordan Davis and they're eating up two or three bodies at a time. Like the approach is there that they're going to do, give more hybrid looks, probably some more nickel looks, some three, four. You can tell that he wants to get really creative with this defense, something he couldn't do last year. And the pieces are there. You got your lockdown CB1. Hopefully, we're going to talk about it later. Maybe a CB2, you know, an adequate CB2. You know, the safeties aren't bad. They're pretty. They're okay. The linebackers are much improved. And you have the players in place, especially at the linebacker position, to be leaning 3-4 with Hassan Reddick, with N'Kobe Dean, with Davion Taylor, with all of TJ Edwards. They all have offer very different things to this game and very different things to whatever Jonathan Gannon's plan is going to be. But I think what is happening to the front four, you can definitely tell that they're leaning towards a three, four look. So I'm glad you brought up, you know, the secondary, because that's the issue I have right now. And I think we all have, we know we have Darius Slay. We're, we're, we're solidified there. I know he's going, what is he? 30, 31 now. or will be 31, mm-hmm. something like that. He's not getting as good as he was last year. He's not getting any younger. The you know and it, it was awful last year when in the first half of the season Gannon had our safeties playing fifty yards back because he didn't want to get beat over the top. They need a CB two now. The one thing I'm I'm gonna hold serve on for Howie with this is they didn't sign Stephen Nelson until training camp last year, so we might have to wait. They didn't trade for Ronald Darby until training camp in 2017 when or whatever it was when they won the Super Bowl. So it's, it's probably going to take time. Now, the big name out there right now is James Bradbury. Everybody, you know, the Giants released him. He would be an awesome pickup for the Eagles. He's 29. Uh, he was an all-pro in, in Carolina before going to the Giants. I don't know if the Giants had the right scheme for Bradbury, and that's why he struggled last year. But I think, you know, if you can get him to come, it would be a huge, massive pickup. Because we already know we have Slay on one side. We need CB2. Avante Maddox in the slot. You have a bunch of, you know, <clears throat> Zach McPherson, who they drafted last year, then Tay Gowan, who they got in the trade with Arizona. Um, you know, was it Kerry Vincent? Kerry Vincent. Um, mm-hmm. Mac oh, McClain. Like, they have so many young guys that they traded just late round draft picks for last year to bring in to see maybe they can build, maybe they can, you know, progress, become depth players for them this year. Now, I don't think personally, and I'm going I'm to go before I ask you guys, I don't know if James Bradbury is going to come to the Eagles. I think he's going to go to maybe – he's going to go somewhere that's going to pay more. I think the Eagles might sign like a Kevin King. Um, Kevin King can play – he has – now I know he struggled the last couple of years. You know, in the NFC Championship game against uh, Tampa two years ago, was not as was not a shining moment for him. Um, but he, he also has that ability that he can play safety. So say this year you, – you sign him to say a two-year deal. He plays corner this year. Next year – if you don't have to trade both of your first-round picks for a quarterback, you could potentially draft a corner next year, move King to safety, um, and then you ha- you have somebody that has the ability that's been in this defense for a year will know what he's a- what he's supposed to do. So as much and you know James Bradbury is number one on my list, 
but I don't think it's going to happen. I'm going to go Kevin King. Chris, what do you think of the James Bradbury situation? And if it's not Bradbury, who do you think the Eagles are going to bring in the BCD to? I love everything you just said, obviously. Like, um, really what it comes down to is uh, bringing in someone uh, because you look at that gap, you look at that lack of talent at the safety position, that's a major concern. Uh, the whole secondary outside of Darius Slay. James Bradbury obviously is a complete no-brainer. He's this long, tall cornerback. We know the Eagles covet Jonathan Gannon, Gannon covets at that position. I think three years, like $30 million, lock him in, and let's freaking go, man. Having a guy like Bradbury lined up, across from Darius Slay, like for the foreseeable future would be just such a huge upgrade and from where they're at. And not to cut you off, like which we'll get into. You look at the schedule. They're going up against some – I mean, I don't know if Jamison Williams will be healthy, but, you know, Jamison Williams and I'm, uh, yeah. I'm Ron St. Brown week one. Justin Jefferson, uh, Adam Thielen week two. Like they're going to be going up again. You need a legit CB2. And you need depth. You need depth too, let alone – um, but I think uh, what, you know, what you like about Darius Slay and James Bradbury, both can thrive p- playing press, playing on the line. Um, and then, like I just said, like you already have Avante Maddox in the slot locking it down. I, I think uh, that is just a no brainer. It, it should be done already. I agree. It's probably not going to happen because this is Philadelphia and this is what we have to deal with. Um, but you, the, the hope is that like this Eagles secondary is not like, Nate Gary level bad where the NFL is a mismatch league, you know, good quarterbacks will expose some of these weaknesses here in this Eagles backfield. And that's kind of the fear, especially with the weaknesses on the line of scrimmage, the Eagles had all defensive line. Uh, it wasn't good enough. And I definitely have that fear in the back of my head that, wow, if this Eagles defensive line doesn't get home as much as we hope it I hope it will be. If Brandon Graham doesn't bounce back uh, after that injury uh, as much as we hope he does, as Jordan Davis doesn't have growing pains uh, in rear one, like there's some concerns here. But um, for me, James Bradbury, lock it down. Uh, Eagles fans would be psyched. Now, if, yeah. it isn't, if it isn't Bradbury, who do you think it is? I don't know. I can't, I can't address that. I, I live in a weird bubble with my Philly sports. Um <laughs> I, I like the Kevin King suggestion. I like that idea of bringing in some sort of hybrid. Maybe. Yeah, some sort of hybrid that can play nickel, can play safety, can play outside corner, has good size. Uh, Kevin King, I think, f- from Washington, right? No, um, yeah, college, yeah, Washington. Um, yeah, so, yeah, sure. But they got to bring in guys because, like you said, the NFC East, the NFC, has some good <laughs> wide receivers that are going to test – this Eagles backfield 100%. So, And you're yeah. right. If the Eagles can't get pressure on the quarterback, if Hassan Reddick, if they're using Hassan Reddick as a coverage linebacker and not a rushing linebacker like he is, that's A, that's malpractice to what Jonathan Gannon's doing, and B, that's not going to help your secondary, especially the safeties, which I have zero faith in Marcus Epps yeah. as a starting safety. He's a good third safety, but I have no faith in him. Connor, what are your thoughts on Bradbury, and do you have a – if it's not Bradbury – who do you think the Eagles bring in to BCB too? Yeah, I mean, I want to first kind of address, like there's a lot of upset fans about why they need to address cornerback at all in the draft and stuff. And I want to point out the fact that he traded some a bunch of these late round picks for these cornerbacks 
told you day three for cornerbacks was not going to be the direction that Howie looked. That just that gave it away to me that day three was going to be an absolute no go at cornerback. No cornerback at all would be drafted by Howie that day based on the moves he made in season. And then you look at day one and day two. Day one, the the guys you wanted were gone except for Andrew Booth, who continued to slide throughout the day. Imagine if we had have taken Booth at pick 13, where we took Jordan Davis, and really, hindsight being 2020, there was a slide of him into the 40s. Imagine the fan base just tearing into Howie. Everyone had this high second-round grade. Why are we taking him in the first round? I loved Andrew Booth. I personally like Andrew Booth over Derek Stingley. I Why the Andrew Booth slide happened, I'm not 100% certain. Um, and, but at the end of the day, it felt like a reach in the round two and round three to go for the cornerbacks. When we came up, I looked at the board and I was like, there's just no cornerbacks I'd take. He had to trade up if he wanted to make the move. So to me, it's like, if he had have made the move to address cornerback in draft on day two, everyone would have crowned it like Zach McPherson. Who's Zach McPherson? Why are we making this move? Why are we doing this reach? And I understand Cam Jurgens, whatever you say, what you want. Maybe he is a reach, but at the end of the day, it's not all about addressing that year. We have to address life after Jason Kelsey. We should have addressed life after life after Jason Kelsey multiple times by now, but we haven't. And he's come back. Thank goodness he has. But Cam Jurgens was literally. He has his own beef jerky line, and he literally practices against cows. There's a video out there of him like rest like standing in front of a cow and hustling him back into his pen. Like the, at least he's not guy, a firefighter. <laughs> this, this guy's gonna be good. Grant Calterra was our tight end from the system. <laughs> I'm just saying. It, it was. Like at the end of the day, and then the Nicobe Dean pick in the third round, like you can't go wrong with the Nicobe Dean pick. Their cornerback never made sense. James Bradbury 100% makes sense. Per spot track, his value is at $12 million. He's probably not getting $12 million. Let's face it, he had the down year in New York. Call it scheme, call it whatever you want. He's not going to get $12 million. But there are teams out there who will probably pay him that 8 to $10 million range, give him a couple seasons, two, three seasons, and – 100% how we should be there. I understand we only have about $9.5 million in cap right now, but we know how you work that magic. Load it you know into... You about the salary cap. Exactly. You think it doesn't even exist. Load that into year two. Load it into year three. Whatever it is, what it is. Don't give him three years with, like, you know, these five years and all this, you know, dead money accelerates into the final year or whatever. Don't, don't give us that garbage. Give him three years straight up work your magic with it within the three years with none of these extra years tagged on and just lock him down. And then that gives you a couple more seasons to address a cornerback position through the draft. If you can't do it next year, you do it the next year. You have a couple years to do it or even better. You have a couple more seasons to see what happens with these guys that he is so confident in that he's raving about because in press conferences, he says, I love the secondary. I think we have a good secondary. I'm confident something's going to come of this. He has to say that though. But how many times, LJ, have we talked about quantity over quality? You, we can, you can have 10 cornerbacks heading into training camp, but if only one of them makes your roster beyond the starting two or three that you already have, you just have quantity. You don't have quality. It's just a waste. And that just feels like the direction we are definitely trending 
there's good news. Like Tay Gowan apparently has put on a lot of muscle and like he, he did really well at UCF. I really liked his tape, but can he start to show something at the NFL level? Like we need to start seeing stuff from some of these guys. And, and it's just the only one who jumps off the page to me as that guy is Tay Cowan and Goodrich, the, the UDFA Goodrich. from, from Clemson. Those are the only two who stand, Kerry Vincent's kind of undersized, more of a safety, Tay Gowan to me and Goodrich are the ones who are going to probably have to step up the most and prove valuable and show that oper- take advantage of that opportunity. But oh, sorry, start Minshew. Wow, we're starting the Minshew train already. Um, <laughs> but so I, I also like Josh Job. I thought he was yeah. right at Alabama. He wasn't the greatest. But there's a lot Alabama. of people saying he should move to safety too. Which I'd be fine. Look, we need safeties. Mm-hmm. It's true because look, we have we. Connor, me and you were really high on Kavon Wallace when we, we drafted him. He hasn't been it. I don't know what the heck is going on. Hopefully he, he's able to to turn it around. Uh, what's this going into his fourth year, third year, fourth year now? I think it's third year. Um, so, like, hopefully he can turn into the guy that was was at uh, with Clemson. And, I mean, at Clemson, when you're playing with the all the, the that defensive line that they had, Dexter Lawrence, you know, Clinton Farrell and all those guys with uh, – Stakowski or whoever, whatever the heck his name was, that linebacker, like it makes it easy on the back end uh, when you're able to, you know, they could get pressure all day in the, the ACC when there's like maybe two good teams in the ACC at the time. Um, but yeah, so, so we'll see. Um, we, we'll we see what happens at the cornerback position over the next couple of weeks. It's still early. You know, they the Eagles have made signings beginning of the summer, late in the summer, early in training camp, during the preseason, that have helped the team. So how he's not done, he just has to figure out a way to figure it all out and and bring the team. Oh, by by the way, L, I didn't give you another name. There are so many like 30 to 33-year-old cornerbacks on the market who I would 100% take at the CB2 spot if we swing and miss on Bradbury. Like, I'd be okay with Hayden. I'd be okay with Fuller. I'd be okay with Xavier Rhodes. They're all older guys, whatever. They're not the future of the position, but we're not looking for the future of the position. Look at Steven Nelson. We ended up getting the guy paid, man. The, yeah. the dude got paid, and we we have to respect that. None of these guys are going to go out and get paid like Steven Nelson. Steven Nelson needed to prove it. These guys are at the end of their career, and they just need an opportunity to be a CB2, and I would be 100% okay with bringing them in as a CB2 and being realistic that, None of these guys are going to work out as a CB2 that are on roster right now. Let's just face it. So well, as long Gowan as the sooner the highest, he accepts it. Yeah, I think Gowan has the highest, highest ceiling potentially, but we'll see. And then, look, we know that Tyron Ty Matthew went to the Saints. Howie was never going to give Matthew that contract that he got from the Saints. Right. And, you know, the Eagles have the Saints first-round pick next year, and we all thought potentially, like, the Saints might not be good, you know, losing Sean Payton, but – if Jamison Winston, Winston has talent, he's just a little erratic. And by a little erratic, I think a lot. He's really erratic. Uh, I don't know how that offense is going to be without Sean Payton running it. Um, but, like, they still have Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry. If the offensive line can say, like, they're going to score points. They should score points. So maybe us all thinking, and, and, and I was one of those people who thought the, the Saints – are going to be bad. We're going to get a top five pick from them. It might be like this year. Remember we thought when we had three first-round picks going into the season, we're like, the Eagles are going to be bad. The Colts are going to be bad. The Dolphins are going to be bad. We'll have three top-time picks. 
No. We there was a point in the season where we did have that. We had three top 12 picks that for multiple weeks in season, but. And that's like, so the team's just turning around. So, and like, the, uh, yeah, I'm not, I agree with you. I'm not leaning in the direction that the Saints aren't going to do well. I mean, they pay, like you said, they picked up Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas, if he comes over. That's a good wide receiving core. That's mm-hmm. a respectable wide receiving core. The defense is still really good. That defense yeah. is better than our defense. So, like, you definitely. Cam, yeah, you know, Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, exactly. uh, now Tyron Matthew, um, Marcus Lattimore, Gardner Johnson. Like, they are that is Davenport, I think. Is he still is he one of their defensive ends? Like, yep, they are, excuse me, they are really good. So obviously we're looking at the we're gonna be looking at the Eagle schedule, but we're gonna I'll keep an eye on the Saints because we get their first round pick. Um, so I want to move on a little bit. We've talked about it's been talked about the Eagles are a quarterback factory. Um, but they're really turning into a front office factory. They've lost so many guys, and so I shouldn't even say guys, so many people over the last couple of years. You know, Howie has to keep replenishing. I think he deserves credit for that. I don't know what, I don't know if you guys agree with that. We'll start with you, Connor. Like, just the way he's been able to bring in talent for the front office, and now he is starting to listen to that talent. He's not, he's not drafting for need anymore. He's drafting best player available. The best play, I don't, you know, I don't really care about position. If this guy is going to be able to help our team day one, I want him on the roster. And we've seen that over the last couple of years since, you know, the Jalen Rigger, I think, pick, um, you know, over Justin Jefferson. Now, you know, they went and they drafted Devontae or made a move to go up and get Devontae. They, they've gotten – and then this year, obviously, you know, getting Jordan Davis, he didn't care that you have the two – you have – you're allocating the most money to defensive tackle, the defensive line. In the NFL, who cares? We, he, Davis can help us. We're taking him. Connor, what are your thoughts on how his ability to build the front office to keep the team viable? You know, when it comes to scouting, when it comes to just bringing in all this talent. I think it, I think it's truly amazing that first of all, how he still has a job with some of this talent that cycles through. Like, listen, we, we, we are not a, how we love and show. We, we, we get throw shade where shade is deservedly deserves to be thrown, but like they, we've lost, like, I think that what was it this off season alone? We lost three people. Like four, that's, yeah. that's crazy. And then now and they're going to con- has a ch- chance to go to, be the Pittsburgh GM. So exactly like they, and now we we're literally going to turn over the top, pretty much the entire scouting department. They've already started to, they brought in, uh, they brought in Wells there from, from Cleveland, who, who was a very well-established guy. And he's going to be the, the director of player personnel. And they brought in uh, Russell from um, uh, Denver, who's supposed to step into the more senior role vacated by Donahue and stuff like they, they're literally – and they're going to take some of these younger guys that they want to keep around, younger men or women, because we also had a woman get promoted this year, and they're going to take them. They're going to move them up into opportunities. They're going to get opportunities, and we're just going to keep losing people, which is okay. I mean, I wish some of them would take the job from Howie. I wish, you know, like someone would stand out in Jeffrey Laurie's eyes as a, wow, I need to keep that person around. How can I keep them? How, how can I move – uh, how he into a different position to keep this person around because these people are getting assistant GM jobs. They're getting GM jobs. Look at what Joe Douglas is doing in New York with the Jets. Like applause to him. He had an incredible draft this season, despite no free agents really wanting to come to town for him. 
he had an incredible it's hard, it's hard to mess up two top 10 picks like it it, it same, is same could be it said is. for the giants it you is yeah two top true. 10 picks True. They they didn't mess up the two top ten picks, but things got a little bit more uh, touch and go as the draft went on for them, as as always. But like, it's so impressive to see these people develop and move on, and the types of players that you find out later on they were responsible for bringing in, or that they scouted, or that they looked at, or what they said to Howie, or like the types of things, how involved they were in some of the decisions. It's really incredible. And I hope that this retooling is going to continue to keep things trending in the right direction for the Philadelphia Eagles, because we're losing some big names. We're losing some really good people, but he's retooling in, on the back end and in the, in the front office extremely well. Chris, what are your thoughts on just the way how he has been able to play this? I don't want to call it Russian roulette, but that's kind of what he's playing because you're losing all these people and you got to be able to bring in, quality guys that and quality people I'll say because some could be women um that could come in and help him you know when it comes to building this roster I don't have much to add to what Connor just said there but yeah that's the take right is you know all these guys keep going in and out and girls keep going in and out of uh the Eagles front office yet how he just sits there uh the weasel himself is just untouched picture somewhere get, get that's exactly where I was going it's like he's he gets a contract extension. I have liked the last couple of drafts here, no question. Big fan. Um, but the 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 <laughs> I don't understand what kind of photos he has on Jeffrey Laurie because he is c- continuously untouchable for this organization. It makes no sense. Um, I can't believe it. So and I understand that teams are trying to get people from the Eagles organization, maybe that, maybe that screams more that like how inept, how he is that everyone else is picking up the pieces so much that somehow the Eagles are still kind of progressing forward and how he's so inept when it comes as a evaluator of talent. Um, I don't know. Question, question I, I, if how he were to get fired today, does he get a job in the NFL right away? Or does he, I, I think so. I, I, I think think yes. GMs are in place except for, you know, the, the, the Steelers and whatnot. But I like, think he gets another job because like the guys, like he won't get another GM job. To me, I'm okay with how he's staying in Philadelphia, but you got to like, we, I've said this on shows before LJ with you. He's got, there's gotta be some fancy name role, toss him 150 grand and say, you're not the GM anymore, but here's a fancy director of salary cap and just say here you go go over here stay in your lane we're putting somebody else up here for you i'm 100 fine with him staying here and i think another team would 100 take the shot on the guy because the guy is a genius not the way you want to see in a he's gm a always he's a business genius, he's a business genius. exactly yeah. not always the way you want to see him football but in he's just so smart with money, with the cap, with how he can swindle. Like if you put, if I'm a GM and Howie is one of my like senior personnel, I'm bringing him into every damn negotiation for a trade ever because a guy can negotiate like nobody else. Like the guy has great business acumen. That's why I want him in Philadelphia. But give him a fancy name, give him a raise, and say see you later. There's a new GM coming to town. There's to make also final like. Decision. There's also a reason a lot of GMs don't like to do business with him. He has really won a lot of these trades. The, the, 
the trade he made with Mike Tannenbaum to get rid of uh, the linebacker and uh, the, the corner that – why am I – but a couple of years back, like you, you were able to get Tell rid of – Kiko Alonso? Yeah, we, when we traded Kiko Alonso and the, the corner – Sam Bradford. Well, he's Sam Bradford, Sam, he got yeah. a first-round pick for Sam Bradford. Um, the corner that we gave big money to from Seattle, that was a bust here. I can't um, That was – what was his name? But he, oh, man. he was able to trade Alonzo in that corner and, like, get something in return. Oh, was it and Maxwell? It, yes, oh, Maxwell. Maxwell. I read Maxwell. Mm. He, he, he was able to get trade Maxwell and Alonzo. Bring them <laughs> back. Bring something back. Oh, Dave. I agree with Connor. Someone should step up and take Howie's job. They should lock Howie back in that closet to get to work. Oh, Dave. Dave's one of my buddies, and me and him talk about that all the time. He's he's not a fan of Howie. Not at all. But, like, so he does – he's able to swindle a lot of teams. Like, that trade that he made with Miami, he was able to use that to get Carson Wentz. You, were able I mean, to you don't even have to look that far back. Look at the trade he made to get AJ Brown. No, that like, too, yeah. We we talked about the story leading up there. He was like showing up to camp and everything was like, yeah, he's staying around. He's going to be a, a Titan. We're going to get this contract deal done. And boom, the 18th pick comes. There's a trade. And he acquired him. Literally, you see. Before the you, you, as soon as we yeah, before the pick. Exactly. Before the pick. And like you look at some of these other deals, it's like two, three first times first round value for some of these wide receivers. And we picked up a guy who you can argue all you want. He's not that much worse than Tyreek Hill. He's not that much lower on the totem pole than Devontae Adams, in my opinion. They're still all three of them are top 10 wide receivers. And if they're going to go and give up three times first round value for these guys and we can get one times first round value and what, like a fourth rounder or third rounder, whatever we gave up. Hunt all day, every day. I'm going to take that value on AJ Brown over trading up for Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams and forking over $30 million a year. $25 million a year, still hefty, but we're learning the hard way. If you want a stud wide receiver, you got to start paying up. You can't you just trap them and let them move on. And, and you can also do that when you're paying a rookie quarterback. You're not paying Jalen Hurts yet. It's true. Um, so we'll see what happens in the next couple of years. Are we drafting a quarterback next year? And continue to pay the quarterback at a rookie rate, or is Hertz going to prove that he's the guy and we have to give him a contract? When that happens, that there will be a lot of discussion. I don't know, like I don't know if there's been a quarterback since. I, I know Carson was really like the talk of Carson. There were there were his haters, there were his lovers. I don't know if any, if a quarterback has been so. I don't, I'm trying to think of the word just since McNabb. I don't know, like McNabb was like when McNabb was here. Obviously, you know, you, you had the people that didn't like him, but he went to five NFC championship games, best quarterback in team history. I don't care what anybody says. Like he he was divisive, but he was he won. Hertz is divisive, I think, for a different reason. He's a great leader. Everybody loves him. Mm-hmm. But is he a quarterback? Like, can he be can he lead a franchise? And I think that's what we're waiting for. And since we're talking about leading this franchise, let's jump in to the 2022 Eagles schedule. Uh they're gonna have nine home games, eight road games, they're gonna play the NFC South, the AF, and the AFC uh, South, or NFC North, excuse me, and the AFC South, and they get the start in Detroit Week One. Um, and the Eagles kind of got their season turned around last year in Detroit. And when you know Sirianni finally listened to the fans and we bullied him into running the football, and they ran the ball for like a thousand yards that game. Um, but still, I think I don't know if there's a better way to start the season. Look, I. Detroit's going to be better this year. 
They have talent on the offensive side of the ball, but they still have Garoppolo or they still have golf. Um, the defense, they they have some guys, but I don't know. Like they they drafted Aiden Hutchinson. We'll see. So Detroit, while they're going to be better, I think getting Detroit early is good for the Philadelphia Eagles. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I, I think I go straight to you know Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, that they just brought him on an absolute stud. You look at the surface of that roster, they're much more composed uh, than last year. Amon Ross St. Brown is a really solid receiver. The dude, I think, finished with like six straight games of uh, eight receptions and 70 plus yards. He's a he's a good receiver. Uh, Jared Goff, I think, is kind of in that same boat. Sorry, guys. I'm not high on Jalen Hurst, but he's kind of a game manager. He's serviceable. Uh, but that's where Jalen Hurts is at the moment. And they got DJ Chalk Jr., who I thought um, I really wanted here in Philadelphia. That was like one of my, my main guys here in free agency. I mean, if um, we got Shark, we wouldn't have got Brown. I don't know. I think Brown's better. I agree. No question. No <laughs> question about that. But uh, they also got Jameson Williams, um, and uh, they were among the worst uh, offensive team in the league last year, uh, the Detroit Lions. So there's some improvement going on with Detroit, but I think the Eagles get the win there. I was shocked that Detroit jumped 20 spots for Jamison Williams. When they jumped, when they traded from 32 to 12, quarterback, right? When, when that happened, Chris, what were your like initial think, re- reaction? Yeah, that, that this was the question. Of, well, there's a lot of questions in this NFL draft. But one of the biggest questions was the, the rankings of the wide receivers in this draft, especially in the first round and second round. Uh, there was no unanimous number one wide receiver. Uh, shout out. I had Drake London number one. I think he went number one. And I got a ton of shit for it. Um, but he did go number the top. He reminds uh, me too much of Jay Jaw. I know. I know. I, I know, know he's better. He was a first-round talent, and Jay Jaw was a second-round. But still. I, I disagree, but that's another podcast. <laughs> we'll um, but, discussion that another time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, for me, um, yeah, I thought it was uh, – I thought – it was a good surprise. Um, uh, you look at the, you know, Jameson Williams and Drake London and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Christian Watson, who went, I think, 32 to Green Bay. I could be wrong there. Um, but there was a lot of really, those not elite talent at wide receiver, but it was uh, a position that had by far one of the deepest of the crops in the draft, no question. I think Jameson Williams has true number one wide receiver. If, if, William, if Williams didn't get Terry's ACL in the national championship game, he's they would have won. The, a, they would have won. And B, yep. he's the consensus number one receiver would have been taken top five, top he's, seven. Absolutely. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like He was cooking in that game. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and if you think about it, if you go back to the SEC championship game, Mechie got hurt in the SEC championship game. And it, it was like, oh, well, they lost Mechie. So you can work, you can devise your game plan around Williams. And he still cooked them in the SEC championship game. And then, you know, getting to the national championship, he still did his thing. Like, Williams was my number. That's who I wanted the Eagles to draft. He was my, like, if, if the Eagles come out of this draft with one guy, I wanted it to be Williams. So I was yeah. really not happy when the, yeah. the Lions jumped up uh, 20 picks. So, Connor, what are your thoughts? Oh, the Detroit Lions. Yeah, the I mean, with the, Eagles. the Detroit Lions, the one thing I will give the Detroit Lions credit for and Dan Campbell credit for is they play their damn hard sell for that guy. Dan Campbell is a man who was kind of like Doug Peterson when he first came to Philadelphia. He has built a culture and the people that buy in, buy in. The people that don't buy in, well, they're just not around or they're just not getting playing time. They're not getting on the field. So to me, 
they, this comes as one of those games where we could play down to the competition, but they could really play up and play above our level because, yes, they have Jared Goff, and whatever it is what it is, we don't love him, but if he has to throw the ball a whole lot of times, then there's a really good chance that Goff can succeed against his defense as it stands right now and as it looks right now. I think we we should beat De- Detroit. I think as at the start of the schedule, I think we should win a good chunk of the games. We should come out with a fairly solid um, record in the first like eight weeks, right up until the bye week. Um, but for me, Detroit strikes me as one of those games that I get nervous about because of how they play for that coach, because of some of the improvements that they have made. Um, they're taking the steps in the right direction. And Jamison Williams was my wide receiver one. Andrew or no Andrew, this is a torn ACL. People come back from torn ACLs like they come back from uh, uh, from a, like a basketball player who, you know, hyperextends a finger and twists his ankle. Exactly. They come back like nothing anymore. If this was a torn Achilles, a whole different story. Like David Ajabo and stuff, whole different story. We're having a whole different discussion because it takes away a lot from the acceleration. There's not very much proof out there anymore that the torn ACL really hinders a wide receiver. So So, he was always my wide receiver one. So looking at the early part of the schedule, there's a lot of storylines. Obviously Detroit with week one, Deuce Daly, you know, he's the the assistant associate head coach or whatever it is with the Lions. Week two, the home opener, Monday night football against Minnesota, Justin Jefferson (laughs) against, you know, the Eagles. And if Jalen Rager's on the roster or not, we'll, we'll know, but you know, the Eagles have five primetime games this year, which is the maximum you can get. The NFL thinks the is thinking highly of the Eagles. If you look at their schedule, they, you know, and their their primetime games are, you know, besides the Houston Thursday nighter, like they're prominent games. Minnesota's potentially could be good. Eagles and Dallas always every year they seem to always play, a, 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 you know, a night primetime game. Eagles in Washington, Carson Wentz coming back to Philly. Eagles in Green Bay, you know. Aaron Rodgers, you know, just being being Aaron Rodgers. If you look at the, you know, just the way the NFL thinks of the Philadelphia Eagles, they're potentially, obviously, we're basing this off of what last year looked like coming into 2022, but the NFL's thinking highly of the Eagles. They think that they have a chance to make a playoff run. Um, they want them in in the spotlight. And I and and could you imagine what it would look like if they had a Russell Wilson at quarterback? Then this is with Jalen Hurts. At quarterback, imagine if the Eagles had a Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, and, and whatnot. So, what are you, what are your guys' thoughts? What's up with you, Chris, on just the Eagles, the, the the way they're viewed by the by the National Football League, and giving them all these primetime games? I love it, man. Uh, I think uh, what the draft did, what Howie did in the first round, uh, where we are right now as Eagles fans, is put up or shut up time for Jalen Hurts. Everyone in Philadelphia. Anyone on the national scene is going to see and appropriately evaluate Jalen Hurts in 2022. That is the biggest storyline for this franchise moving forward, that there are no excuses, just like I think Jonathan Gannon has a little more uh, personnel on that other side of the football field. Uh, But for me, Jalen Hurts getting it done against good competition. You know, it is a passing league. You have to be able to beat good teams, good defenses with your arm in, you know, getting that ball in the, in the tight windows, getting the ball downfield, seeing open receivers, going through your progressions, hitting that intermediate area of the field is now all on Jalen Hurts, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, 
it's a dream. Like they haven't had this duo of wide receivers in a long, long time. My reaction to this question is yes, let's go. The proof so, is in the pudding, Jalen Hurts. It's all on you. I I, I want to. I'm glad you brought up the whole. You have to beat good teams. Last year, all the good quarterbacks the Eagles played, they got crushed. They got destroyed. Um, the, this year, you play Aaron Rodgers. Do we consider Matt Ryan an elite quarterback? Mm. Do we consider Dak Prescott an elite quarterback? Mm. Very true. Do we consider Kirk Cousins uh, an elite quarterback? I mean, Dak. I mean, Dak. You look at Christmas Day, uh, Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve. I mean, yeah, uh, you got Dallas on Sunday Night Football. Um, there are games there that they're, they're – I mean, Dak kills the Eagles. Absolutely kills the Eagles. It, uh, it, it, short, quick passes. The Eagles haven't figured that out in a long, long time. We'll see. Hopefully, like, you don't have to worry about Amari Cooper, who also killed us a lot. Got too. We'll um, get there. So we'll see what C.D. Lamb is able to do. Um, but so let's – so the, up until the bye, so their first – Eagles' first six games, Detroit, Minnesota home opener, at Washington, the Carson Wentz reunion. Host in Jacksonville, Duck Peterson comes back to Philly. Cannot wait. What was that? Cannot wait for that. Oh my god! <laughs> You're going to see two totally different reactions, by the way, from when Carson returns and Doug. Doug is going to get a hero's welcome. No question. Person, now when Carson comes, personally, I would cheer him. I'm a, I'm a Carson fan. I think Carson's better than Jalen, but that's a different story for a different day. Um, but the the re- reception he's going to get is not going to be fun. I hope um, they then. I hope that Arizona game, you're, De- DeAndre Hopkins will most likely be suspended unless it gets reduced to four games. What one game? We'll, we'll get to this, Dave. What one game would you guys choose that you're most interested in seeing as of right now? We'll get to that once we finish this um, going through the, this, the schedule. I'm with you. I'm cheering for Wentz as well. And then week six, before the bye week seven, is the Dallas Cowboys Sunday Night Football. I mentioned it. So many storylines with this schedule that the Philadelphia Eagles have. Connor, looking at those first six games, just kind of what what are your thoughts on that? Um, on the games, Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson, Dallas. Just what are your thoughts on it? I think we should come out four and two. I, I think that that's kind of how I see the season starting. You know, I think we, we, you can beat the Lions. I think you can beat the Vikings. You should be able to beat the Commanders. I mean, despite you know. I'm, I will cheer for Wentz as well. I think that he deserves to be cheered for. I think he deserves to have some sort of respect shown to him. I mean, I understand what, what he's gone through. I understand the stories behind the scenes now from two different teams about he doesn't t- face competition well, adversity well. I get it. It is what it is. But we do have to remember, going back to that year that we won the Super Bowl, we don't win that Super Bowl riding Nick Foles an entire season plus the playoffs. How many times has Nick Foles started a full season? Never. Exactly. And the Eagles that, were 11-2 when Carson went out. The Eagles would have never been on 11-2 with Nick exactly. Foles. Exactly. And, and that's my point. Like, you have to remember, like, I understand the end was a rocky road. Honestly, if you want to be the – if you don't want to cheer, just you're better off to be silent. Like, to me, that's how it's got to be. You're either cheer or you be silent. This isn't a guy who left – on a completely horrible, like Doug Peterson went out the same way. If you're going to boo Carson Wentz, you got to boo Doug Peterson because Doug Peterson went out the same way. He led the team to the Super Bowl the same way that Carson Wentz was literally responsible for leading us to the playoffs and then Nick Foles finishing it off from there. Like you can't, they're pretty much, they're very similar situations for both of those guys and how they left 
and the way that things ended up going down um, behind the scenes. So, I mean, it is what it is to me. Those games, the big games, I 100% agree with you there. Um, but it's important that you, we come out on a positive note because the schedule definitely gets a little bit harder after those first six games. After the bye week, it gets tougher. Come out on top. Come out 500. It's, it's better total, than 500. It's the total opposite of last year's schedule. Last year's schedule exactly. was so hard the first half. And mm-hmm. the Eagles got fortunate to have the division games, uh, have the Jets. Like, they had the, the week schedule to the end. That's what helped them. And also expanding the playoffs helped the Eagles get to get to make a run to, to be the seventh you know team to be that last wild card. Um, but what are your thoughts, Chris? That that early season early season slate right before the bye, like the Eagles have a chance to potentially be you know four and two, like Connor said, five and one. And um, if we can beat Dallas finally, maybe six and zero. I don't expect that, but they have a chance to really set themselves up going into that second half of the year. You you need to stack wins before the schedule gets really hard. It's so interesting. That's a, such a loaded question, right? Like, what does this offense look like? What does the offense look like with Jalen Hurts year two as the Eagles quarterback? Do they Are they going to be the number one rushing attack in the NFL from the jump? Or are they going to give Jalen Hurts more freedom, more uh, dropbacks uh, to kind of utilize his arm with A.J. Brown, with Devontae Smith in his second year? It's such a tough question. I, I look at Arizona. Uh, they were really, really good last year. Uh, Kyler Murray is a guy – not unlike Jalen Hurts, obviously way more talented uh, quarterback than Jalen Hurts. Uh, but, you know, talking about improvement, incremental improvement, a guy that kind of, you know, went from here to there. We're kind of in that same boat with Jalen Hurts. We're waiting for him to, as a passer, to go from here to there. Uh, so that week five matchup. And plus you have Zach Ertz coming back uh, to playing against the Eagles. It's in Arizona, but we all know that there's probably going to be a lot of a lot of Eagles fans. Be Eagles fans at every game. Oh yeah, there's. I mean, Arizona. There's going to be so many Eagles fans at that game. And uh, for me, like it's the Eagles' offense. And I want to see Jalen Hurts take that next step as a quality quarterback in the pocket. You know, I want to see him go up against another elite offense like the Arizona Cardinals, who. Potentially, if they're healthy and everyone's on the field, they're a top 10 offense in the NFL. I want the I want Jalen Hurst to prove that he and his arm, his arm strength, his accuracy, he can belong not so much with Kyler Murray in that same conversation, because I don't have those expectations. That's another podcast. But he can he can stick. He can stick and make the right throws at the right times. He can see the field, get the ball out. Uh, and find that open receiver well, when it matters. But uh, I look at that week five game. Yeah, so I, I agree with you, Chris. I just want to give my uh, thoughts on uh, uh, Jalen Hurts really quick. Um, you can be both. You can be the number one Russian attack and still give Jalen Hurts every opportunity to throw that football and prove himself. I think he just needs to, like you said, show those incremental improvements when he's asked to throw the football be effective when throwing the football. But I think there is a world where both things can exist, that Kars, that, that Jalen Hurts makes his incremental improvements, and we can continue to be the number one Russian attack because they're kind of built in a way where that Russian attack can remain. And, you know, you brought Kennedy Brooks in basically for the Jordan Howard role. Like, you can see they're built in that way where they're going to have everyone plus, you know, Boston Scott on the outside because for some reason he's like Howie. He always makes the team. He's always around. 
but like you you're built in a way where you're gonna run the same way you were running last year you just know it you just see it you can feel it by the way they set it up and then but you can also see that improvement in Jalen Hurts. To me, Jalen Hurts just needs to make the throws when he's asked to throw the football. And that's the issue that I have. Last year, if he had have been able to hit some of the throws that needed to be made, this is a, such a different discussion this year than what we're having right now in this offseason and the way that people are actually thinking about Jalen Hurts. This is like the Ben Simmons conversation, right? Like, we're <laughs> sorry to like kind of like to completely go like. If you want Ben Simmons to start becoming a jump shooter or a three-point shooter, it's not he's not going to go from year this year to that year to be and become this amazing three-point shooter. Like, let's start getting him at the rim. For Jalen Hurts, it's let's start exposing this intermediate area of the field. So it's baby steps, increments. I want to see AJ Brown, one of the best at getting into that intermediate area of the field. Uh, let's see Dallas Goddard more attempts going into that intermediate area of the field. I'm not expecting Jalen Hurst to light it up uh, downfield, like 30, 40 yard bombs uh, down the field. I want to see Jalen Hurst take that next step as a quarterback, hitting guys in stride, finding those windows, finding those pockets for to AJ Brown, to Dallas Goddard, to Devontae Smith in that intermediate area of the field. That's where Jalen Hurst has truly lacked as a quarterback. So I think the biggest difference between Jalen Hurts and Ben Simmons is Jalen Hurts is actually working on it. <laughs> that's Simmons a good, never that's a good never point. Win. I now, look, agree. And I'm not a Sixers fan, and, I, and I'm like not a Ben Simmons fan, but like I don't know if anybody could disagree with that statement right there. Ben Simmons thought, oh, I made the I made the all-star team. I don't have to change my game. Jalen Hurts was a Pro Bowl alternate, which I still disagree with. Shouldn't have been. <laughs> but he's still he's working with Tom Pounce. Thanks, Dave. He's working. I love that LJ cringes every time he hears Boston Scott's name. He shouldn't be on the team. I, I'm, I'm gonna say that. I just I don't like Boston Scott. I said it in my <laughs> I said it in my article. If you're going to go forward with carrying three running backs and Boston Scott makes his team over Kennedy Brooks, Boston Scott has something on how he's he has somebody on some some <laughs> something on somebody he has to because there's no reason he'd be on that team except for playing the new york giants yeah. or the well, new york so, Jets. so i do want to get towards the, the back half of the schedule but like uh what the heck was i saying no but you know we'll, we'll see we'll see how, how it goes but like at least jalen hurts is working to get better working with tom house working with a bunch of different coaches to, to improve his game. All right, so we're going to go back. We're going to get back to the schedule after the bye. They're at home against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has never beaten the Eagles in Philadelphia, ever. I don't know. And, and look, Pittsburgh is a great – I love Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin might be my favorite head coach in the NFL. If there's one coach in the NFL I could play for, it would be Mike Tomlin. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like Kenny Pickett, who I think will be the starting quarterback, at least by this time if he doesn't start. Um, I, I don't know how the I don't see the obviously injuries and, and thing like, but as of right now, I don't know if the the Eagles will lose. And then they go to Houston, um, and then they have the reunion with Carson Wentz on November fourteenth, Monday night football. They get that mini break too because they have the Houston games a Thursday night, and then they face Washington. That the Commanders still going to be weird to say the next week on Monday night football. What do you? That game against Washington, if Carson is still playing, which as much as I love Carson, it's a question you have to ask if will he be playing. 
What are your guys' expectations in that game of Carson coming back to Philly? We'll start with you, Connor. It definitely is a question to ask, especially when they took Sam Howell, who is compared by many to Taylor Heineke. Like that, that to me, that's it just so. Me of Baker Mayfield too much. Ah, uh, Sam Howell. Like, but competition—the fact that they brought competition—and if they don't draft a quarterback, hundred percent Carson Wentz is starting that week. No problem. He's feeling great. He's feeling the commander love. But now, yeah, now you're sitting there and you're like, well, maybe we don't get that reunion with Carson Wentz. But the back half of the schedule, it's kind of like it starts out kind of friendly-ish. Like it's kind of weird how they laid that schedule out going from, you know, Sunday to Thursday to Monday like, and then back to Sunday. Um, but like the back half of the schedule is definitely where there needs to be, where they're, that's where I want to see the the biggest improvements for Jalen Hurts. I think that they I think we can see the same Jalen Hurts with very minor incremental improvements in the first six games. And we'd be like, okay, that's good. Like we got the wins. We got through the first six weeks or above 500 or whatever, wherever we're hopefully at. But in the back half, like facing that Colts defense, facing that Packers defense, facing that Titans defense, which has been notoriously pretty good despite not having like the most infamous names and the greatest names on defense. They're always really strong. Um, that Saints defense, like this is where we really, we really need to see Jalen Hurts make those improvements. We don't want the incremental improvement wouldn't be to get to the first round and get our asses handed to us again, like we did against uh, Tampa Bay last season. What we really need to see is those incremental improvements really start to trend in an even more positive direction. And he beat some of these really good defensive teams. And we really just need to see like, we need to win the games that we're supposed to win and sneak out some of those games. Like last year, there were some games where we should have won and we ended up losing by one score and they were heartbreakers and we were pro probably would have been set up a little bit better if it wasn't for that. But like, we need to win a lot more games. We need to finish better. And like, I want to say like at the end of the day, I like it's kind of a preface to what my prediction will be, but I feel like we're going to be 10 and seven, but we really need to be, 11 and six to safely win the NFC East. Like we really need to, I understand that the Dallas Cowboys are the Dallas Cowboys. They didn't get better. It's it's like in the national media, the, the grades are there that, you know, they didn't get that much better. They didn't get a whole lot better, but at the end of the day, they're probably still going to be nine and eight, 10 and seven. So you want to be that team that's 11 and six, not 14 and three. And they, like people are thinking, coach, who they want to get rid of pretty much. They're, they're hoping exactly. to get Sean Payton next year. Um, I want to go to the next, the next group three of get, next three games at Indianapolis, hosting Green Bay, hosting Tennessee, and as Connor said, Chris, three really good defenses, and this is where we're going to want to see um, Jalen Hurts really come out and prove that he's a franchise quarterback. What are your thoughts on those that group of games right there? Colts, Packers, and Titans. You're muted. Sorry, I'm, I'm eating my dinner right now. Um, <laughs> so, the Colts, I obviously, you start with the Colts' defensive line. It's a really strong group. Quiddy Pay uh, is a really good player, up-and-coming player. They also got Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, I think he's only, like, 27 years old. So, like, there's talent. I wanted the Eagles to get him back when he was in I know, basketball. right? I know, right, man? Um, but, yeah, DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart, solid, like, uh, that that's a very strong defensive Best line. linebacker in football and Darius Leonard. You nailed it, Connor. Like, there's definitely like defensive 
teams here that are going to put Jalen Hurts to the test. Green Bay has an underrated defense, uh, no question about it, uh, beyond Aaron Rodgers. And who was the other team? Tennessee Titans. Their their defensive line. They were top. They had nine sacks in their playoff game that they lost. (laughs) Their their, their defensive line is among the tops in the NFL. So it's all there. Like, and that's that's why I'm – this is a good conversation. This is a happy conversation as an Eagles fan. As much as I want to see Jalen Hurts take those next steps, it's all there. It's all there. Like, that's right when typically the Eagles are getting it going, especially on the ground. Uh, and clicking that we've seen in the past. The good news is the Eagles have a history of taking care of the bad, the mediocre teams. Jalen Hurts has to get it done against these teams, and it's going to be uh, uh, going to be a ton of fun to watch, man. It's- well, the one one thing I wanted to comment on, and you guys both have said how like the Eagles are going to want to get the running game going. I think that's kind of opposite of what Jeffrey Lurie wants. This is what, that, why they got Devontae Smith last year, why they traded for A.J. Brown. Um, they're going to they, – they, Got Zach Pascal. I don't know if that means much, but they're going to want to throw the football. It, running the football is all fine and dandy, but you cannot win a championship being a running football team. So 100%. it is going to be totally, obviously, because he's the quarterback, totally up to Jalen Hurts to get the passing game going. So uh, let's go to this next. Can I ask you a question? Like, what do you think the Eagles are going to do here? If Jalen Hurts is struggling like week three or four, getting the ball downfield with accuracy issues. Do you think the Eagles will switch it up and be a run-heavy team with attempts down for Jalen Hurts? And are you happy with that? I'm happy with wins. wins. Are you? Because that's a big storyline. I I agree with you. If if he's struggling early on, they're going to probably revert back to to running, being a run-first team, go play action, try to get them in rhythm. The, the, The thing is, is car is 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 Gardner Minshew going to still be on the team? Because we you know the love that the Philadelphia fans have for backup quarterbacks, and Gardner Minshew had a good game against the Jets. I was actually at that game last year. Not so good game at not so good game at the at the end of the year with Dallas, but he was also playing with a bunch of third stringers and practice squad players. So I can't really you know you know say anything bad about that. But if he's not able to throw the ball down the field, and I'm not saying that Gardner Minshew has has a strong arm like that as well. There's going to be talk, and then obviously with Carson Strong on the on the roster, we know the type of arm he has, even though he has no knees. Like, is is he, he he's an undrafted player? But like, we're going to see him in preseason, the three preseason games. You're going to see a lot of Carson Strong, and if he's slinging the ball, even if it's against backups, people are going to talk. So it it will be interesting. They have to be a throwing football team to win a championship, though. Agreed. I think that's what it's going. To, that's what it comes down to. And I do want to point out, like, in my piece for the painted lines where I talk about the four UDFAs who are going to be on the team next year, Carson Strong is one of them. Because you see, like, there's still teams looking for backups. There's still teams looking for veteran quarterbacks. If Carson Strong is anything of intrinsic value as a backup quarterback, you trade Minshew and you get profit off of what you trade. I'm surprised they didn't trade him during the draft, honestly. I think that I think they're still waiting on it because like look at how the, their landscape's unfolding right now. There's a real opportunity that a team like Seattle could be open to the idea of Minshew. I know that right now they're looking at Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield very closely. There's no reason to believe that if they're asking seconds for them and we come in with Minshew and say we'll t- we'll take a third, we'll take a fourth, 
there's no reason to say we wouldn't do that if Carson Strong proves any type of value as a backup quarterback. And I think the amount of guaranteed money that they put on Carson Strong, he is going to be the backup quarterback next season. Without I mean, barring any major injury, he's I going to make that roster and they're going to move Gardner Minshew. The Carson Strong, the Carson Strong addition is the most fascinating uh, addition to this roster. He's uh, basically the bizarro Jalen Hurts. You look at what Jalen Hurts struggles with. Jalen Hurts struggles with anything intermediate and beyond. Carson Strong is amazing at hitting guys in stride, getting guys in those tight pockets in the intermediate area of the field and downfield. The dude had, I think, had more passes of forty or fifty yards more than any quarterback in the in the college football last year. And um, he has zero uh, mobility. He's like zero. My point is that like Eagles fans are going to be sitting there maybe during training camp <laughs> watching this guy just throw bombs to AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and look at it Jalen Hurts and be like and they're gonna overreact and it's gonna be I think that Let's purpose, be real. We're Philadelphia. We're Philadelphia. We're, we, we, we're, we're a fan base that doesn't overreact. No. We, we don't overreact over anything. It'll be good. It'll be fine. Training camp will be normal. Like, I usually <laughs> go when they, have, when they hold the open practices at the link. I usually go. And I'm definitely going to have to go this year because I want to see that. I want to see these bombs. I want to see A.J. Brown. So so we'll see. Um, Let's go to the next three games. A three-game road stretch where you play three games in a row. Unlike last year after week, was it 12? The Eagles didn't get on a plane. After they went to Denver and they came home, they didn't get on a plane. It was to Washington where you take a train. It was to Jersey where you take the train to take a train. That was twice. Like, it's different this year. You're going to Jersey against the Giants, so that's a train. You're flying to Chicago. And who knows what type of team Chicago is going to be with Justin Fields and that and Matt Eberfuss, that new new coaching staff. And then Christmas Eve night, you're going to Dallas. And, and as Chris, as, as you said, for some reason, we just can't beat Dallas right now. <laughs> and Dak kills us. This three-game road tre- stretch right here is going to be massive for the Eagles. They have to find a way to go 2-1 at the very least. I'm looking my, 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 excited for Justin Fields versus Jalen Hurts. Um, I think that's – as someone who – I like my, my bread and butter is player development. That's like – I don't watch the NFL. I don't watch the NBA. I watch college football. I watch college basketball. I love the NBA and NFL drafts. That's my that's my thing. Um, so well, I, I was a big fan of Justin Fields uh, in the draft a couple years ago. You weren't? No. Okay. Okay. And I'm excited to see where he, what he looks like uh, in year two because Jalen Hurst kind of struggles at the same I do want to say one thing about Justin Fields. I think the Bears did a disservice drafting – or drafting, hiring a defensive coach. Because yes. if you hire a defensive coach, the defensive coach is going to have to hire an offensive coordinator, and that offensive coordinator is going to run the offense. What happens to that offensive coordinator if he's any good? If he's any good? He gets a head coaching job. I think yeah. if the Bears were smart, and, and obviously who knows with the coaches that were out there, they would have drafted or they would have hired an offensive coach so that he stays there with Justin Hurt, uh, Fields. Justin yeah. Fields is probably going to have to go through – Again, if, if whoever the offensive coordinator is, I don't know off the top of my head for Chicago, whoever he is, if he's any good, he'll be a head coach in a year or two. And, and what's going to happen to Justin Fields? He's got to learn a totally new offense. And they didn't really do much to help Justin Fields this offseason at oh, all no. in Chicago. Um, but, yeah, obviously the Christmas Eve game. I, I think we're still there, right? The Christmas yeah. Eve game. Jalen Hurts has never beaten the Dallas Cowboys, um, right? Like, I, I think he's 0-2. 
in two starts. You look at uh, the Eagles 0-3 uh, over the last three games. Like, um, that that's it, they man. Are not particularly close games either. Yeah, like, that's, that's the game. And why I'm so excited is, like, that's, for me personally, like, Everyone has family issues. I don't really see my family that much, but when I do, we go I all. Dallas fans in my family. family we, yeah, we're gonna be drinking. We're gonna be having so much fun. That Christmas Eve game is Christmas Eve in general is like the biggest drinking night of the year for my family and extended family. We're gonna be all together watching that oh, game, Dak versus Jalen. It's gonna be so fun. That's 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 like if you had made a short list of like top see top must see games for the Eagles this year. That's it, right? Eagle, oh, Eagles Dallas is always must see. And then we're going to, the Eagles will finish off the year, two home games, which would be nice, against the Saints. And again, we're going to be looking at the Saints because we have their first round pick. And we we finished with the Giants. We went one and one against the Giants the last couple of years. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts had a really bad game the first time against the Giants last year um, before that, the second game in Philly where he turned it around a little bit. Um, and this is where James Brad, if the Eagles were to sign James Bradbury, He's going to have a chip on his shoulder against, you know, your, two of your last five games are against his old team, the Giants. And, and that's another reason why if you can get him, you know, it, it potentially yeah. is going to help. But it's going to be come down to the, these last two games. They've had a really good – when they don't go to New Orleans, the Eagles are really good against the Saints. Yeah. That dome is ridiculous. Um, if you I've been there. Year, have you? I have. Oh, man. In I 2018, think... 2018 – that for the, the regular season game when they lost like 40 to 8 or whatever it was, they got demolished. It wasn't pretty. And then they went back into the playoffs. And if there's still the talk, if Alshon catches it, they go to the NFC Championship game. Which I'm not 100% back. sure it would happen. But at least they get the Saints at home. And it could be, it could be Jameis. It could be Jameis. I don't know. I can say Jameis Winston. I don't even know who their backup is because I think Hill is now a tight end exclusively for them. But we've talked, we've talked about the Saints. They have a good defense. Their offense, they have weapons. It could be a really big game, you know, on New Year's Day in Philadelphia. Connor? Yeah, I agree. Like, they're, they're definitely going to be some big games. I think those, like, the first six games, it's important to come out really quick, come out four and two, five, and one would be even better. And then those final five games are going to be – you hope it's the final four games because you hope that week 18 against the Giants means nothing and we play the – all our backups like we did last season. In week 18. Out there. Yep. Get, yep. get people excited for him in the playoffs. Exactly. <laughs> Exa- uh, well, maybe, um, but like, exact, but that's like those last five games are huge. The first six and the last five are massive. There's a lot in between. Those games are probably going to be where we look back and see the difference. If we come out below 500 after the first six games, we sit back there and we sit back at the end of the season and we say, wow, we really needed to come out with some of those games. And in those final five games, if we're not coming out like four and one or three and two, there's a good chance we end up losing the NFC East. And there's some teams there that I don't necessarily believe that if you come out nine and eight out of the NFC East, that you're making the playoffs as a wildcard team. So I think it's vitally important that, you know, those two, the one sandwiched in the middle there, the meat of the season. Yeah, there's some important games there. I understand that. But those first six and those last five, are extremely important games, especially the way it's laid out and the way it's positioned for the Philadelphia. And so, that 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 uh, Christmas Eve game is going to be awesome. 100%. So, Connor, like you, you were just saying, you don't know if the Eagles, if they go 9 and eight. I'm just thinking of the teams off the – Green Bay is probably going to win the North, mm-hmm. and maybe Minnesota makes a potential playoff run. 
Tampa wins the South. Mm-hmm. New Orleans potential play. Uh, I think New Orleans is the second best team in that division. I don't think Atlanta Definitely. and Carolina are going to be any good. Out West, the, the defending Super Bowl champ Rams. Um, San Francisco, who went to the NFC Championship game. Arizona, who always starts off good, but I don't know if it's a – it happened in college to Cliff Kingsbury too. They would start off good, and then the second half of the year they just imploded. Who knows what could happen with them? So, like, that's six teams, seven teams right there before getting to the NFC East when it's going to be probably the Dallas and the Eagles. Um, and then we got Quentin Moore who says the Eagles will be 10-7 and seven with losses to Minnesota, Arizona, Dallas, Indianapolis, Green Bay, Tennessee, and Dallas. All the good. It feels like all the good teams we're gonna lose to. Which yeah, if 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 Quentin Moore's if Quentin Moore's ten and seven prediction is right and the losses are as he says, that's not good because that means we didn't see the improvement we wanted from Jalen Hurts because we (laughs) lost to the teams we're suspected to lose to. Exactly, hundred percent. And then we got Allison Lombard says twelve and five. That's I don't know. All right, so we're about to get wishful thinking. Wishful thinking. Twelve and five. I would love it, obviously. My goal, for, my goal for this year, I want a home playoff game. So you have to win the division. The, the Eagles, I think, has taken a step up. The Dallas probably has taken a step back, a little step back. Washington, I think, took a little step up. And the Giants took a little step up. As Chris has said this entire episode, for the Philadelphia Eagles, it's up to Jalen Hurts. We thought 2021 was the proving year for Jalen Hurts because then with the three first-round picks, the Eagles could potentially go for another quarterback. And they tried. They tried to get Russell. They tried to get Deshaun. You know, if if Rodgers would have listened, they would have went after him as well. They didn't. It's Jalen Hurts' show. 2022, Jalen Hurts has to prove that he's the guy. Mm-hmm. Quick straw poll between us three. Connor, is Jalen Hurts the guy? Yes or no? <laughs> yes or no? I don't want any explanation. Oh, yes or no? The, yes. the Hurts truthers are coming at you right now. Yes. So Connor, Connor says yes. Chris, is is Jalen Hurts the guy? No. <laughs> oh, I got to break the tie now? <laughs> um, I'm going to say no right now. But, but is there, like, I don't want to be called like a – like a Jalen Hurts hater, I don't want to be I'm called. Like, I love Jalen Hurts. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to everybody else that's on social media because this is what happens. It's either all or nothing. That's how social media works. Is that's true. If you don't. If you don't like Jalen Hurts, then you love Carson Wentz. I'm not I that guy. <laughs> I right. love Carson Wentz. I think and I love Jalen, but I think Carson's a better quarterback than Jalen. Jalen's a better leader. If we can combine them, it'd be a perfect quarterback. But we can't. I think Jalen Hurts is a terrific backup quarterback. I think he's going to be a great spot-up quarterback. Um, I think he's got a long career in the NFL uh, for the foreseeable future. But at the end of the day, when you're talking about franchise quarterback, no. There's definitely more evidence and data to suggest no. I agree with you. All right, Connor, Philadelphia Eagles. What is the Philadelphia Eagles record? Do they win the division? And if not, who wins it? It's a, a, a quick explanation. I'm going 10 and 7. And I'm going, yes, we win the division, but very close. Like I said, like if but we're Dallas will it, finish 10 and 7 as well. I, I really think they're 10 and 7 or 9 and 8. Like I really think it's going to be like that again this year. And, and to me, 
if we're 11 and six, we're super comfortable. We are very comfortable. If we come out of those first six games and we're five and one, then 11 and six is 100% possible and within the realm of possibility. Anything else, 10 and seven is definitely where it's going to end up being. I think those first six games are far more important than people are going to put on it because there's bigger games at the end of the schedule and in the middle of the schedule. But the start, there is a world where we can end up six and oh in the first six games. We can go into the bye week six and oh. There's no way you're winning every other game after. But there is a world where you could see that they're six and oh and five and one is within the realm of possibilities. If everything works the way like the 14 and three people out there, the ones who think we're gonna be 14 and three, 15 and two, these are the like six and oh to start the season, hundred percent. That's what they're thinking. But like otherwise, like I just don't know. I just don't see it. Like, I love this team. I love the hype around them. This just feels like there's too much hype getting there again. The buildup is too much again. We're building up for disappointment. Really, we're the NFC least for a reason. We're not, we we do have the four easy schedules in the NFL based on strength of schedule from last season. But at the end of the day, this is not the division you sit there and you say, yeah, there's definitely going to be a 14 and three, a 13 and four, and a 12 and five. No. That's we're not that division. We didn't get this nickname because we're that good. We got the nickname because we're just that bad and mediocre of a division. And we can't, none of the teams can get out of their own damn way. I think 10 and seven is a very realistic expectation. And when I look at that schedule, I can find 10 wins. I cannot find 12 and 13 and 14 wins in that schedule. All right, Chris, what do, what's the Eagles record? And do they win the division? If not, who wins the division? I think you're spot on, Connor. I cannot agree any more than what you just said. Like, I look at 10 wins. Uh, that sounds really sexy to me right now. Um, I think the schedule really lines up well for them. It's one of the easiest schedules in the league. Um, we've seen uh, the Eagles last year take care of business against bad teams, mediocre teams. If that continues until next year and Jalen Hurts has a couple games or two against good Defenses, we'll see where the chips lay. But the truth is, it boils down to two questions for the Eagles. It's a passing league. Can you be able to beat good defenses with your arm? Can Jalen Hurts take that next step and in his development and throw the ball at a high level? On the other side of the ball is the NFL is a mismatch league. We've seen the Eagles linebackers get exposed and exposed and exposed in the past. And there was nothing they could do to expose that weakness. Can the Eagles secondary, I'm talking about the secondary, uh, overcome like and not be like Nate Gary level bad in 2022? That's where we're at right now with no other further moves. And you look at the Cowboys. Obviously, that's like the biggest threat uh, in the NFC East right now. They've clearly taken a step back. They're kind of in this weird spot. They've lost Amari Cooper, who was traded uh, to the Browns. They've lost Lyle Collins uh, to the Bengals. They've lost Randy Gregory uh, to the Broncos. Michael Gallup is back, but he's still recovering uh, from a torn ACL. Zeke is kind of on the tailor end of his career. Tony Pollard is a really nice back. Uh, so they've got guys there, but the Cowboys also have offensive line concerns I like their addition of Tyler Smith, who is an absolute freak of an athlete. That was a really good selection. Um, but I do think 
it is very likely that Dallas Cowboys take a step back this year. And I think it's anybody, anybody's division, the division's up for grabs. So for me, 10 wins for the Eagles, and I think it's going to be right neck and neck with the Cowboys. I agree. And a couple of the comments, Hurts says zero excuses this year, 100% true. Hurts has, uh, that was from Allison Lombard. This one from o, Odizzle Drizzle. Hurts has to throw for over 4,000 yards and a playoff win, adding the, the division winners also gets the contract for the next four years. Howie will then go all in defense and offense. And the defense – the defense definitely upgraded this year, which can only help Hurts improve more possessions. They improved, but they're also really bad in the secondary right now. And that's what we need to see. We talked about it at the beginning of the show. The Eagles have to improve the secondary. You need a CB2. You need another safety. Um, I, I get getting pressure on the quarterback will help the secondary, but you still need a body there. I don't. Take Allen is probably the leader in the clubhouse right now, but as, as Connor and I always say, they have more quantity over quality. Um, I agree. The Eagles are probably going to go 10 and 7. Dallas will be right there at 10 and 7. Washington will be better. They'll be 8 and 9, 9 and 8, um, because I think, you know, they got a better quarterback who I think will stay healthy this year. And their defense is still really good. Like, especially that defensive line um, when, when Chase Young gets back, you know, healthy, their defensive line will still get after people. And the Giants, they're going to be better coached this year. I don't think Daniel Jones is any good. Um, and th so they'll probably be a five, six, five or six win team. Um, but it'll come down to the Eagles and the Cowboys. Um, both teams probably around that 10 and a, 10, nine and eight, 10 and seven, 11 and six range. The Eagles have to find a way to split with Dallas, though. They can't get swept again. You have to be able to win one of those games. I mean, I know we had a question earlier this uh, in this from Dave. What one game would you guys each choose that you're most interested in seeing as of right now? And I'm going to go with you guys. You guys both picked that Dallas game on Christmas Eve. I'm mm -hmm. going to agree with you because that game, the Eagles have to win the one in Philly. Like, because this, they don't, even though like Dallas fans are awful and they don't really show up the games, like there'll be a lot of Eagles fans at that game. Going to Dallas on a holiday, they might not even, be, they might be checked out. And not because they're having a bad season, but it's, it's a holiday. Even if it's Dallas, you shouldn't be checked out. But still, being Christmas Eve, you want to get the game over with, get home to your family the next day for Christmas. Um, so, so we'll see, we'll see, but I think 10 and seven, um, as, as Dizzle says, we, we were average in the secondary last year with Nelson and McLeod. Nah, above it average. was amazing. The cloud is better than Anthony Harris. Yes. <laughs> I would have yes. brought McLeod, I would have brought McLeod back instead of Anthony Harris. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Nelson was all right. Like he was the second corner. He didn't, he didn't yeah. do anything to kill you. But he, you know, he he made one play all year, and that was the interception against Carolina. I think that that helped seal that game. Um, I want, I know Slay is that number one guy that's going to make those big plays on the other side. But I would like to have a second corner that can make a play, more than one play a year. I don't think that's too much to ask for. Do you? <laughs> Asking for a secondary to make multiple plays in a year seems like a stretch in Philadelphia for but, some but reason. As we talk about or, or they, the worst in the and. The NFL and defensive takeaways, right? Like they're always they, they seem even with with Jim Schwartz, they seem to to be one of the worst in takeaways in line. And the one thing the Eagles we, we know the Eagles defense usually does is get after the quarterback. They were thirty first in the league last year, I think, with twenty nine sacks. That can't happen. They have to be in the forties and fifties. That it's going to start with, up front for the Eagles on defense. I talked about that during party on broad last week. Was like you look at the weaknesses of the secondary, 
This uh, the Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham has to stay healthy. Like all those guys have to get to the quarterback. They have to be at least top fifteen in the NFL this year if they want any chance. Because we we all know it. Like you go up the Eagles against a good quarterback, they get torched, mm-hmm. absolutely torched, eaten alive. They have to. That defensive line has to come through. Has to come through. That is a. That's probably like arguably like a top three storyline of this year. If that defensive line doesn't come through, then forget it. Yeah, I agree with you. And look, if we sign Bradbury, that's great. I don't think any of the three of us think he's going to come here. I just don't. Unless the price comes way down. Oh God, Bar- I can't. I still. He didn't bring up Derek Barnett. I can't believe he came back. Um, that, that's. Gonna <laughs> I'd rather not but talk. If, yeah, I know. If the Eagles sign Bradbury, great. I, we all want Bradbury to come to Philadelphia. We don't know if Howie's going to give out the money, and he might. He's probably going to get more money from elsewhere. But if Howie holds out and the price tag for Bradbury comes down and he signs him, great. He'll be he's better than Nelson. He'll be a great number two with Avante Maddox. I'm I'm fine with the secondary. But until Bradbury signs, if he does sign in Philly, we don't have him yet. And that's why I say like we get, we didn't get Nelson until training camp next, last year. Uh, they traded for Ronald Darby in training camp in 2017. It's going to take time. We all want it to happen now. It's not going to happen now. So, Agreed. At, at, how many penalties will Barnett have this year? At least three or four roughly in the passer calls on third and long. Very true. And a taunting penalty maybe. On the on the bright side, he was brought in as more of like a, the, a rotational defensive end. So yeah, we should starting. expect not double digits. But if he gets uh, the double digits in a rotational role, that is wild. It's Derek Barnett. I wouldn't put it past him. But yeah, I agree with that one. Quick rapid fire before we wrap things up. Uh, the ESPN pigskin pigskin win totals game i saw this on instagram i wanted to play with you guys super quick for the nfc east only um as we spent a lot more time at the beginning of the show talking about things that weren't the schedule than what we wanted but we'll quickly run through these over or under no need for reasoning just the over under can the giants seven wins chris under. over under so on under definitely and you're going under too? Yeah, I'm going under for the seven for the Giants. Easy under for me, Dable. Dable, I think is pronounced. Yeah, Brian Dable. Yep, Brian Dable. Dable. Um, first year head coach. I think, you know, Daniel Jones, obviously a major question mark. Can Saquon stay healthy? Definitely under. Agreed. Um, I'm taking the under there. The Washington Commanders at seven and a half. Uh, LJ, over under. I'm going over. <laughs> what about you, Chris? I was going under. Oh, sorry, I was going over as well. I said slight over on my my notes because I do think Carson Wentz is going to be a little bit more consistent uh, for the Commanders. So it's like eight seems like a really good number for them. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I'm I'm going over because I think it's going to be eight. If it was eight, I'd say I'd say I Push. like if they were eight and a half, it'd be under hundred um, percent. The Philadelphia Eagles nine over under. I think we're all over. Correct. Hundred percent. Nine is such a good number for them. Nine is a great number. <laughs> like, it's going to be nine or ten. I'm surprised they don't have it at a half. Like either eight and a half. It'd or be nine, nine and, and a half. Really, really make you put. Oh my god! Really if nine, if it was at nine and a half, I would be. I, I wouldn't be able to bet that one. <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys ten and a half. I'm going under. under. What about you, LJ? Under ten wins. What about you, Chris? Under. Under. I think this. Do we just sweep this? Like, are we all in agreement? <laughs> 
We which are means, all which means we're all wrong, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the Commanders are winning the division. The Giants are finishing in second, and the Eagles and Cowboys are playing out the string at the end. That's what's probably going to happen now. That's so funny. That's so funny. Yeah, I, I think the Cowboys. I, although I will say, I think Parsons could be like Defensive Player of the Year uh, this year, so, but I don't think that's enough. I think the, the Cowboys are doing him a disservice. He needs to rush the quarterback. They're having him play linebacker strictly. They're, he'll he won't. He can win defensive player of the year, but if they had him rushing the quarterback, just he would he would easily win defensive player of the year. He feels like I understand people are saying, oh, the Hassan Reddick and and uh, and Parsons comp isn't right because it's different. It based on usage, like that first year, K Parsons wasn't in coverage as much as Hassan Reddick that first year, where Hassan Reddick was completely exposed. Fifteen, but jeez, oh, I'm sorry, Connor, I didn't wow. mean to. Um, but like to me, I agree with you. Reddick is at his best rushing the quarterback. Parsons is at his best rushing the quarterback. They can be off-ball linebackers, but you have to be off-ball. These guys aren't coverage linebackers. So whereas people say, oh, they're not the same, the situation is very eerily similar, and I don't like it, especially the fact that they have a Sam Reddick scheduled to be an outside linebacker right now. I don't like that. I don't so, want that. I don't like that because that was where he was exposed and forced to basically move on from the team he was with. Yeah, and but I mean, Hassan Reddick kind of spilled the beans this week in one of his interviews, saying they have a new room. They have the defensive line room or DN room. They have a linebacker room. Now they have a new DN O linebacker room. So he's going there. This is why I think they're going to go to a three four. He's going to be the outside rushing linebacker. So mm-hmm. I mean, if again, if he drops back in coverage at all, Gannon needs to be fired. We saw how he struggled <laughs> with that. In, in, he struggled with that in his early years in Arizona. The last two years, the last year in Arizona, last year, uh, his last year in Arizona, and last year with Carolina, he's better rushing the passer. That's what he should be doing. I love it. I absolutely agree. But, LJ, do you want to take us out? Yeah. Um, Chris, thank you. We're, um, let let all our listeners know where they can find you and um, promote yourself. Uh, take, take some time to promote yourself. Appreciate that, man. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Crockpot. Um, Party on Broad is my my uh, Eagles Sixers show. Uh, t- Tuesday night, uh, we are doing uh, a show with a Cowboys uh, YouTuber. His name's Sean. He's from Blogging the Boys. Uh, we're doing a preview into enemies territory with the Cowboys. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, I'm sure that's going to be. Totally respectful, and there'll be no yeah. arguments, not at all. <laughs> um, so that'll that's our first of like previewing the NFC East. Uh, then we've got a round table starting as well on Tuesday night, just breaking, uh, just us talking, uh, the latest news about the Philadelphia Eagles, just talking about anything. It's there's no real structure here, it's just kind of just a hangout, uh, type of thing. So uh, that's basically it. Um, I just lost in my movie draft, and I'm really, really upset. I was this close to getting to the championship. We do fantasy football slash movie drafts, and I lost. What was the criteria for that? Like, is there? I know we're not not that we don't have to like go too long. Was there like different genres that you had to pick? Or? Yeah. So I do a entertainment podcast, and we did a fantasy movie genre. We do. We just concluded season one. Season two started. Uh, a few days ago, 
and I almost made it to the championship round. And this was fantasy movies. You so it's like ten teams live pick their uh, six of their favorite fantasy movies of all time, and Twitter votes who has the best team. Um, I thought my team was. Uh, the better team, but I lost by one vote of 169 votes wow. to get into the championship. I literally lost by one vote, man. Uh, so I'm a little down. 84? Wow. It, nuts. Absolutely nuts. Um, but uh, that's the suit of geeks. They're a ton of fun. I, um, my other co-host, short story, Connor is from Toronto. Um, so there's that. Um, but anyway, uh, thanks for having me join, man. It was a ton of fun. Definitely was. So follow uh, Chris at Mr. Crockpot. You can follow Connor at Connor10. Follow me at LJ Harrell54. And follow the Kelly Green Hour at Kelly Green Hour. Connor does a great job doing it, especially like during game when, when we're in the season, keeping the Twitter, the Twitter feed going. Um, and with camp, you know, coming up, it's gonna be a lot, a lot for us to preview and and get set. Thanks. <clears throat> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thank you again, Chris, for, for coming on. For Connor, for Chris, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. You want Philly Philly? Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently.